0: I do feel like the most successful people in the world probably are clinically diagnosable with some bit of, you know, mental disorder, mm-hmm. um, you know, like an ADHD or something, which is common now. I'm like, are they really like, is this really a pathology or is it actually a super power? You know, what's up, man? How's it going? How was the uh, race? Good, dude. Good, good. Um, I'm
1: sore shit this morning, but yeah, other than that, I'm good.
0: And you just did the half. You didn't do a full marathon.
1: Yeah. Just, uh, so the lady I work with, uh, her name, Sarah Bishop's so shout out to Sarah. She's a female professional triathlete. She's awesome. And a mom of three. So balances all that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, she was kind of like, "Hey, like, why don't we just, you know, there's no reason for you to rush. Like, you've already done a couple halves. Let's just slowly t- try and build your fitness over, you know, the summer, and you can kind of treat this half as a warm up and see what pace you can push. And we're going to build through the summer and then shoot for a fall marathon to kind of see what I can do there.
0: That's awesome. So it was the what did it, what was it called? The Nick Bear or was it BPN or? Either way, it was Go set on, up by Nick Bear, right?
1: The Go One More Marathon, which is kind of their tagline during for Bear Performance Nutrition, his brand. That's super
0: cool. So you met Nick this weekend? Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. It, I mean, and like their whole setup was like they did such a fantastic job of just honestly, it's really cool just seeing the community. Like I was telling my buddy that did it with me. There's no supplement brand I feel like that has done that good of a job as like building a community around it. Um, you know, just as far as like everybody from all walks of life is involved and you can tell it's motivated them to get themselves in shape, whether that's their first time ever running a marathon or they're like a seasoned athlete. So it was really neat to be a part of that. And Saturday evening, they had like this big check-in process for it is at this really cool barn with. Meals provided for everybody. Nick and his staff all kind of got up and gave speeches and were telling their stories. And then Sunday morning, we showed up at uh, his uh, BPN's headquarters and they bust us out to this private ranch out in central Texas. Or I guess he's friends with the owner and they basically block it all off for us. And it's there, you know, no spectators out there. So it's just a bunch of backcountry Texas roads that you're getting to run on like super peaceful. We started right when the sun rose. So it's just really like neat experience as far as like how you would want to run or at least ideally for me, how I would like a race to go. Yeah. That's awesome, man. You got 14th out of how many? Uh, I think there was 115 people that did the half. I'd have to go back and look. Damn dude.
0: Top 10%. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. And it, it wasn't badass. like, a, it wasn't an all out one for me. I kind of had like this idea of like, Hey, I want to try and hold like a 725 pace, see how comfortable that feels. Um, Again, my coach was like, let's kind of see what you do. That should feel comfortable. And the whole time felt really good. And so I got to the last 5K, um, so the last 3.1 miles and was like, okay, I'm going to hammer it now. And that last 5K was under seven minutes the whole time. So I clicked off a 655, a 645 and another sub seven to finish it. So it felt cool to like still have some energy in the tank like that too.
0: That's crazy. Were you the biggest dude there?
1: Uh, I <laughs> I feel like that's a terrible question for me to answer, but I felt like I probably was the entire time out on the course. Anytime someone was going by me, there was a lot of holy shits and oh my God, you know, comments like as people that's were awesome. cruising by me. So
0: I did follow the like Nix and BPN stories trying to see if I could see you, but it did look like the, the crowd, the population was a little bit bigger than your average running crowd. They, they, no one was as jacked as you, but they didn't look like the skinny marathon runners. Because, I mean, I, I guess it makes sense. Nick has that following where they're kind of a hybrid of lifter and runner. Yep. That's cool, though. Mark yep. Bell is running the Boston Marathon today, I believe. Isn't the Boston Marathon today?
1: Yep. Yep.
0: Yeah. That's pretty and incredible, th- man.
1: Is that, I think that's Mark's first, like, full I think marathon, so.
0: If I'm correct. Okay. Yeah. Just going for the big one.
1: Yeah, dude, good, good on him. Cause he's a way bigger boy even than I am. So that's a, that's a lot of muscle to tug around for 26 miles. So good on him.
0: It's honestly super inspiring because if you look at his progression in life, he was basically like an obese individual, you know, like mm-hmm. as a power lifter. Yeah. He had a lot of muscle under there, but he was really fat. I forget how much he weighed, but I wouldn't doubt that it was 300 or so mm-hmm. um, because he had so much fat and muscle on him. And then he, He started and then he competed in bodybuilding, which is amazing because he went from that really fat physique for powerlifting, which he used that as a lever and then cut that down and competed with. I think Ronnie Hambod was his coach, which is Mm -hmm. awesome because he got trained with him, but still just like such an amazing feat to go from powerlifter to bodybuilder and do that. Check that off the list and now taking all that mass and throwing it towards a marathon. That's pretty impressive, man. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's badass. And I I I have no excuse now. I,
1: and I kind of like almost credit Nick with a lot of that, like kind of starting that movement over the last few years of like, hey, you know, you can carry a lot of muscle and or formerly be somebody that was a powerlifter, a bodybuilder, and transition your body into doing this, which is pretty cool because I feel like for a long time everyone just kind of had their camps, and now you're kind of seeing a lot more people do a crossover, which from an overall health perspective, I think is just so great. And first, you know, obviously we know how important resistance training is, but in my opinion, I don't think anything really tops, like having a really, um, in shape cardiovascular system as far as your, uh, health and longevity goes.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. I think CrossFit probably was like the first group that guys mm-hmm. were big and still doing things, you know, they were, um, they were running, you know, like a, a sub five minute mile, and still being able mm-hmm. to deadlift five hundred. I think what was that he's a BPN athlete, Adam something, wasn't he? One of the first ones to do that, Adam
1: Clink. Yeah, and Adam was there yesterday. And shout out to awesome. his wife Shay, who is pregnant with their third child. I believe she ran the half marathon as well. She just Damn. almost, I think, before she got pregnant, she just did like close to a sub three hour marathon, and then yeah, was chugging along yesterday. She probably like five six months pregnant. Uh, with the third child. Yeah. So but That's yeah, awesome. Adam was one of the original guys to do that. Yeah.
0: I mean, the thinking about Mark though, just so inspiring because I feel I I mean I kind of hide be or not hide, I don't know what I do, just make excuses when it comes to running, you know, like I'm not good at it, blah blah blah. It's you know, my body's not meant for it. If my body's not meant for it, Mark sure as hell isn't made for it, you know. <laughs> I mean, we're about the same, I think I'm a little bit taller than him. Trying to remember, I've got a picture next to a few pictures next to him. But I think I'm a little bit taller than him, but he's mm-hmm. a big dude, you know, he's bigger than me for sure. And the fact that he's gonna go out there and run twenty six fucking miles, that's so insane. No. like for me, the the most I ever did was most miles that I ran. Maybe what's a ten K? Five? Six. Uh, six, six point two. Yeah, I did a six, six point two recently. I did a Spartan race that I got roped into, which had oh, you know, nice. a lot of uh a lot of obstacles and stuff too, which to, that again, took just a shit ton of mental fitness. Cause I trained a zero amount for it. I just had to go out there and tough it out, which is fun, but that's the most I've ever done. And it was rough. So I can't imagine. I, I don't think I would make it through. Like, I, I honestly don't think I would make it out more than maybe like five miles. And I would just be like, Oh my God, this is fucking insane.
1: Well, and, you know, that's the thing too, that I tried and like explained it on, you know, like the reel that I filmed the other day, explaining like different modalities. Like I know most people think of like running when it comes to improving their cardio fitness, but there are so many different you know ways to go around it. I mean, just like there's guys that are incredible cyclists and swimmers that, you know, I could never get to that level with running. So if like everyone like has something that probably fits their mechanics better too. Yeah, um, true. so, you know, no, no knock if you're somebody who wants to get into that and running's not your thing, because I would stay, say, even like from long-term standpoint, you are taking the most damage physically while doing that. Whereas there's yeah. a lot of other modalities that are much lower impact that you could probably do for a lot
0: longer. I just remembered I did row a marathon once when I did more CrossFit. Yeah, that was, there you go. that was intense. That Dude, was I bet that
1: was, how long did that take you? Oh my gosh.
0: Multiple hours. I don't know, five oh. or more. I think. Oh my God. I can't remember. Yeah. It was a long time though. Cause yeah, I'm that was awesome. What
1: the, Cause it's I think 2000 meters it's I think 2000
0: meters is the direct conversion to a mile. I can't remember now. It was thousands yeah. of meters. I know that I remember that yeah. because CrossFit did it. Um, I don't know if you remember in the games, I don't know what year, maybe like, I don't know, 2014, maybe I can't remember, but they made them row a mile or not a mile. They made them row a marathon and then later that night, do a max overhead squat, Wow, which is nuts. nuts. And I think Rich Froning was out there putting up like over 300 pounds overhead squat after. Yeah, I mean, they had a few hours, but that's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's wild. Yeah, it just so goes guess- to show how cool like the human body is. And again, like how I think there's a lot of mental toughness that comes into the equation. Again, like Mark, like he's going to be the biggest dude out there. He's just going to probably look like an idiot and people are going to just, he's going to stick out, you know? And I think he wouldn't, he wouldn't care if I said, he's going to agree. He probably is not going to look like anyone else out there, but he's going to just put his mind to it, which he's done. I mean, the dude's basically been successful in everything that he's ever tried to do, you know, which is its really inspiring. And he's just going to plug along and and that's what's going to get him through is more of the mental toughness. Of course, he's been training his ass off and he's doing the best he can as far as technique and everything. But I don't know. Oh, it's awesome.
1: And the thing is, too, and to your point of, you know, it's always a mental game is, you know, I was there was a guy that he and I kind of paced each other pretty much the whole time yesterday. And we were chatting as we were cruising along. And, like, it's all relative, like, no matter how fast you are, like, it always is tough, especially on a race, because that's kind of where you're letting, you know, the governor off and pushing it for the max for however long you're going. Um, so it doesn't matter if you're somebody who runs a sub three or a five hour marathon, like that's going to be tough. And there's pretty much like always points in a race where you hit like the, what the hell am I doing out here? Like, this is miserable. Why did I sign up for this? And you just have to like block those thoughts out and just kind of keep churning along.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. I feel like your body will just like stop mine will at least like even weightlifting i'll stop and then go what the fuck are you doing like wait don't stop (laughs) i know it hurts a little bit but like keep going you know i did um been doing the last two leg work because i've been i've done i've done drop sets on the leg press making victoria uh shut off the weight and that's like the ultimate burn you know i go to where i'm damn near hitting max on my first set where, you know, I'm grinding out the last rep and then she pulls them off and I go and keep doing them. But by the time like the third plate is off you're cardiovascularly, like so taxed, your legs are burning so bad. And I keep wanting to stop. And then you'll have to tell yourself like, no, like you, you still can go. I know that I can still go, but my body's trying to stop. So it is having that, like being able to pull off the mental governor is yeah. such a incredible thing. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, you've been uh, training pretty hard, actually. I saw um, the story you put up with Victoria spotting you on the chest or uh, dumbbell presses this weekend. That was some good weight. I was like, you look oh. like you've been hitting it a little bit harder lately.
0: It was only 95-pound dumbbells. That's so weak for me. Hey, dude. Hey. That's there was a time when I was heavier. hitting like 125s. Yeah, but a lot uh, more but... Sauce
1: in the equation, too, so it's relative.
0: <laughs> true, true. We train... Twice a week. I think I'm going to try to go today because uh, we're filming this in the morning and I have consults starting in the afternoon. So I think I'm going to try to go today. Uh, Try to we've been trying to hit three times a week. Speaking of Derek posted a video yesterday um, with Jesse James West and he was looking pretty damn good. He was,
1: I saw the, at least just, it was the, um, I think he reshared. um, Jesse's post, but it was them on the bench with what I assume was not real plates. No offense to him. Um, just good. Oh, really? I don't know.
0: I didn't even see how much weight was on there.
1: Yeah. But Derek was spotting him and like, of course, Derek has his shoulders, but he looks super beefy in his tank top. So.
0: Yeah, for just, like, a TRT only and talking to Derek, you know, when I saw that, I texted him and it was like, physique's pretty good. And he's like, that's my once-a-week physique. And I'm pretty much on the same thing. But, yeah, I mean, you when it comes to looking good like that, you really don't have to kill yourself. Like, I feel like I look relatively good, and, and I don't go too hard in the gym these days. Two to three times a week, an upper body, a lower body. And then in the week, if I can go, I'll try to do, like, arms and calves or something because, honestly, I want show muscles at this point. Um, <laughs> I never – up until this point in my life, I never cared about show muscles because I was more uh, performance. I mean, when I got into bodybuilding a little bit a few years ago, right before I stopped everything, I tried to build up my arms too, uh, which have carried me over, which is nice. But all through powerlifting and CrossFit and everything, I never did arms. So, been trying to have a little bit more show muscle, so at least I look like I work out. So why not? For me, that means legs and arms. Honestly, yeah. Like I like wearing short shorts and having quads that like people are like, yeah, that dude works out. Like. Quads are like quads and calves. I think are just like I don't know. They like command respect because you know you see a dude like when I saw your quads and your calves, I'm like, yeah, this dude fucking goes hard. Like it's the first thing I think. Like I don't. Arms are okay and they see, but when I see a, a beefy set of quads, I'm just like, it's a fucking badass. He's pushed hard.
1: Now, now, that's really funny because I've always kind of felt that same way that uh, we know plenty of guys that have like a big upper body, but same thing. If I see like an impressive set of quads and hamstrings and calves, I'm like, mm, you probably didn't just have that. Maybe you had good genetics, but nine times out of 10, you probably had to work to develop those because even guys yeah. with good genetics, like your legs are just something that really don't grow on their own. Whereas right. some people just like through... I guess athletics and sports like their upper body will put on
0: some mass, but legs not normally as gay as it is too, like a good pair of glutes. That's when you know someone's when's uh, going hard because glutes won't, you know, there are guys who will build up their quads and, and hamstrings by doing like curls and extensions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But you know, if a dude's got under some heavy weight when he's got a big old set of glutes, like, yep, that's a fucking powerful man right there.
1: Yeah. Right, uh, shout out to Ryan Fisher. That's always Ryan's thing. Oh, yeah. He's got thing. insane he, glutes. <laughs> he does, and it's always kind of his thing. Like, hey, this is something that you should want to build up. And it, I will say, like, it looks pretty insane when you see a guy that has, like, all of that because you're just not used to it.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. I'm going to pop open the new uh, Gorilla drink here. I think they come out today. Is the 17th? Mm-hmm.
1: I saw, yeah, their post yesterday said it was they were dropping the new flavor today.
0: Which yeah, one you said was your favorite tasting one? Uh, this one's kiwi. I, re- I got it because it's kind of matches the Atlas hour. Um, but yeah, there's orange. That one comes out today or yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, there's white frost or Arctic frost, Arctic white. I don't know. Fuck, I'm fucking it up. Sorry, Derek. Um, and then there's black cherry vanilla, which is actually really fucking good too. When we first got it, Victoria's like, eh, I don't really like cherry and vanilla stuff. And then she's been drinking the shit out of them. She likes them a lot. Um, so, yeah, they're all really good. This one's super unique, though. I haven't seen a Kiwi before. So, uh. I would love if he takes over the energy drink market
1: now. I like it. And I hope I so, mean- too. Everyone, like when it comes to, uh, obviously, I know we're kind of affiliated with Derek, but Gorilla Mind mine, like makes incredible supplements across the board. And I like always tell people, I'm like, I'm not sponsored by them by any means, but I pretty much rep their stuff to anybody just, I mean, like from his sleep aid, uh, to the protein, to the collagen, I'm like, it's Sigma. I mean, like literally the best natural testosterone, testosterone boosting product. It's all incredible. Josh
0: also likes their lock and load. I didn't (laughs) want to say that one, but it works as described. (laughs) Yeah. Derek's a dude who I have a a lot of respect for too. And to be honest, like, and I got to tread carefully here. I don't want to, I mean, Derek kind of signs my paychecks when it comes to Mary, merit, but when I, like before knowing Derek, I really didn't think too fondly of him. I didn't have a negative view of him, but I guess I just lumped him in with, influencers in general, which mm-hmm. I've kind of always just been like, I don't know, some are cool, but a lot of them I'm just like, eh. Um to be, I mean, to be fair, he's he covered a lot of stuff that I didn't care about at the age that I was when he started coming out. You know, I was already older than 30. And so his target demographic, I feel like, is like 20 to 30 probably. Mm-hmm. You know, he was talking about things like how to get a bigger load and you know how to get a bigger dick and hair loss and um, which is cool. I mean, he built an empire, but yeah, thinking about now, especially knowing him and how humble the duty is, I actually have a immense amount of respect for him. And again, just like Mark bell has built so much from basically just following his passions and not giving up and just sticking true to that. Derek has too. And it's so fucking mm-hmm. inspiring to think of like, I don't even know what his background is. Asana maybe is what people say it is. But to think that he started with a shitty little webcam that was all pixelated as fuck. And he was like, you know, his chubby face and round delts. He was all bulked out and behind Asana and just sat there and pumped out videos nonstop for years. Like every single day, I feel like he was coming out with a video until that just transpired into this massive YouTube following. And then he built products that he was passionate about. And Gorilla, I think, has an insane like revenue. You know, based yeah. on how many people to hear like when you hear about what the his athletes are making per month, where heard claims of like over thirty, like thirty to sixty thousand a month, and he pays them like twenty percent commission, which is also awesome that he does that. That's an insane amount. But that means those people are selling three hundred thousand a year or three hundred thousand a month. So like you know, over three million a year of one person. And then how many affiliates does he have doing that? You know, he's got to be putting out awesome numbers, which he never talks about either. He's super humble. Mm -hmm. And then he went and started Merrick. This episode is brought to you by Merrick Health. As you know, at Atlas, we're extremely passionate about optimizing all aspects of the human condition, and we believe that it starts with one's health. But before we start optimizing, we need to know what we're optimizing for, and we need to know where you're starting. That's why we partner with Merrick Health, where you can stop guessing about your health status and actually get a look under the hood. Merrick was co-founded by our friend Derek over at More Plates, More Dates as a place where the individual could take their health into their own hands. Merrick is a telemedicine company that uses blood work and other metrics to provide valuable insights and how your body is functioning and what might need to be changed in order to improve your performance and longevity. With Merrick Health's comprehensive lab tests, you'll receive biomarker feedback with actionable steps to improve your metabolism, your libido, your mood, cognitive function, and so much more. Once you get your labs done, your personal health coach will find a licensed medical provider in your state that can help you to develop a treatment plan. So we worked with Merrick to provide our listeners with two panels. You can go over to merrickhealth.com forward slash Atlas and order our panel for 10% off using code atlas. Choose Atlas lab panel and pair it with a lab review from a health coach for a thorough analysis of your results. That's health.com forward slash atlas and use code atlas at checkout. You can also order your own desired labs and use code ATLAS to get 10% off your first order. And that took me so long to film so please go do that guys. <laughs> and uh yeah it's just awesome. I'm I'm really I'm I don't know yeah the more I get to know him I'm happy to uh be affiliated with him and and I guess call them a friend, which is cool. I just I get hyped on anyone's success, especially when they're doing what they love and they're honest, humble people who just grind and make something out of nothing. I don't yep. know, it's awesome. Yep, Yeah.
1: Well, especially because nowadays, I mean, just the way that social media is, there are a lot of people that do catch fire and gain a following, and you know, not to poo-poo on their parade, but but not really bringing anything quality into the space that they're at. Um, So I think I always have kind of latched onto and followed people that it's like you again, like you're saying, you can tell they're very passionate, but they're also adding a lot of quality into their space, a lot of new knowledge. And I mean, Derek with Gorilla Mind and Merrick kind of has like two cutting edge platforms in their respective spaces. So, you know, that took a lot of time and effort and bringing in a lot of good people to help him do that. I mean, just the way that he formulates his product. Nothing in comparison as far as, you know, having the actual, um, what's the word, efficacious dosages of product or ingredients, things of that nature that others don't do. And now that he took that approach, it's like you see that you can be successful going that route. It might be a little more upfront cost to you, um, but people catch wind of that and jump on board if they know that you're giving them good quality and you believe in what you're doing
0: yeah when it comes to the what he does as far as dosing the products it's not cheap for sure Mm-mm. um i did a podcast with fuad again yesterday you guys have to watch that when it comes out we talked about semaglutide or ozempic um but we talked about Derek afterwards and he was like the pro. like he's in the supplement space you know he owns hostile and he was like Derek's formulas damn i'm burping again fucking shouldn't have opened a syringe or drink. <laughs> <laughs> he's like Derek's formulas are not cheap um Which I could imagine. So, you know, what he puts out, he probably ends up not making as much as he would otherwise, you know, to actually have a product that he stands behind. And there's some people in the space that have kind of criticized him for being more entertainment than educator. And Who cares? Like, honestly, now at this point, he's able to put out amazing products like this. This drink is hands down from a scientific standpoint, the best energy drink on the market. Absolutely. Like, I've never seen anything that has stuff like saffron and uridine monophosphate uh n-acetylcysteine or no tyrosine alpha gpc you know all the uh the stuff that he has in here is pretty insane for an energy drink yep. and he's been able to build up merrick with the help of the team but like that was it's new to the space i don't know so his what he did for entertainment i feel like when he was just you know reacting to tiktok videos and shit you know the things that i didn't why i wasn't a huge fan of him but it helped him to build that so he could do what he actually was passionate about which is cool and i say props to him you know i don't feel like he sold out ever in any way he's not somebody who did like i don't know you know there are some people who are like well ends justify the means i'll do some like bullshit videos that i don't fully agree with i don't know i felt like he stuck pretty true to his his uh ethics and moral code yeah
1: yeah and he's talked about it a little bit before that, you know, that was kind of, he, I can't remember what year it was, but he followed the Greg set route, I believe of like having hey, to put out two videos a day. And some of them may be about gimmicky things, but I know that's what the algorithm's going to catch. And as I try and build my brand that yes, maybe it not might be a little corny, but I also have this huge backlog of actual really scientific videos where I'm doing 45 minute formulation breakdowns. Yeah. Uh, you know, really getting into the science of different studies for hair loss, testosterone replacement. So that was all mixed in conjunction with it. So I think he did a good job of balancing the two of those things because you can be super scientific, but that may not be enough to build your brand and you kind of have to have a balance of both.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I guess enough of sucking Derek's dick. I just like to uh, all, all people we've talked about today, Nick Bear, Mark Bell, Derek, Last name unknown. Um, everybody is, you know, they've all built like empires out of following their passion. I think it's mm-hmm. so fucking awesome. I think it's so cool because, again, we've talked about before. Like people, you know, talk shit that the American dream isn't a thing, and blah blah blah. Or I can't do this because X, Y, and Z. Like, really, I mean, Derek literally got a shitty ass cram, sat it down in front of his computer, and there's nothing special, you know. And I think he would agree too. Like. He's not, he's a good looking dude and he had good muscle, but he's not like, you know, Brad Pitt. He's, Mm he, he wasn't educated in science. He sat down and did the work, you know, he pulled up some manuscripts and some articles and taught himself a lot. And then sat there and busts out video after video after video for years and built an empire out of that. And it's just fucking hard work. And there was nothing like, I don't even, he never really caught a break as far as I know, you know, like there are some people who, I mean, me for one, us, any fame that we have comes off the back of him and what he's done through Merrick, you Mm -hmm. know, that's my, like, I'm luckier than him when it comes to that. I don't think he did had any of those collaborations or anything. You know, he started out just grinding away, doing his own thing and, and built it from that. So yeah, same with Nick too. Nick, I, in the beginning, I followed Nick from the beginning and I don't think he really had anyone big who kind of propelled him. He was just unique to the space and that he was in the military and filming his, uh, you know, his progression with fitness and building a company and everything. I guess you could argue that Mark kind of, um, his brother, when they filmed that documentary, you know, he kind of used that opportunity to propel his own career. But again, I feel like we honestly all do walk into opportunities here and there, whatever it is. And you have the choice to either like excel through that or, or utilize that to your advantage or, or not, you know? Yep. Um, yeah, I don't know.
1: Cause it could be said even for like a guy like Derek, that their success came off the back of YouTube becoming what it is now. So it's like, we could all find different, you know, things to say, Oh, well, it would have never happened if it had not been that for that. But yeah. you know, something even Nick was speaking about before we took off for our race is you know, the night before and just looking how much BPN has built up. He's like, I literally said, you know, to your words, I'm not really anything special other than I just. Am good at being consistent. And I feel like if you look at most people that are successful, that that's like normally the backbone that gets them there. There's a massive lull period probably where you don't really feel like you're making linear progress, but it's that day in boring, non-sexy work that you put in that eventually gets you there. And I know people probably have heard me say that way too much, but That's a huge factor that uh, we like to overlook. And nowadays people expect like, I'm going to post two videos and catch fire and get famous. And it's like, no, like one, you should have the passion behind what you're doing, that you just are doing it because you love it and care about it. But two, like it's going to take consistent work for you to ever catch fire with it.
0: hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, for all the, I guess we're talking about influencers here, but for all the influencers who are, you know, have that million subscriber count or whatever, probably like 2% of them, got lucky and just propelled, Mm -hmm. you know, you look at somebody like Mr. Beast, I forget what the stats are, but it was something like a thousand videos or something before he even got like his first thousand subscribers. I mean, this is episode 11 and we're already at one point eight thousand. So we're ahead of Mr. Beast in that Mm -hmm. regard, but he sat there and just continued to grind and grind and grind. And now his videos are making millions per production. You know, it's insane. Yeah. Um, same, you know, same with Derek. All the videos that he put out year after year before he finally, you know, caught uh caught fire. Mark Bell. I mean, Mark Bell's podcast, everybody's like everybody knows Mark Bell's podcast. Now I don't think they really realize that he's maybe been doing it for like 10 years or so now. I don't know how long exactly, but a lot longer than I think people know because he started a podcast that was mainly powerlifting centered yeah. originally. Um, and there's been different iterations of his podcast, but he's just been grinding away. And now we would have two or three hundred thousand or so, which even really isn't that big in the grand scheme of things. But the fact that he keeps showing up year after year for that return, like that's a fucking badass. Nick, same thing. Super cool. Exactly, man. It's what we're trying to do here, too. Yeah, maybe eventually one day, but whatever. It's still fun. Consistency is key. And then, uh, yeah, I uh, oh, I was just going to say what we're trying to do there was uh hopefully he's listening today i already told josh the story but i had a a client come through merrick who said that he was doing a ruck um while listening to our podcast with dominic and it was able like he was able to push through the ruck because he was listening to that he said that was exactly what he needed then he went home and took a cold shower which he said absolutely sucked but he felt so good after it and that's really what we're trying to do which is awesome and to hear that, I was like, okay, that's probably cooler than if we, you know, made X amount of money off of an affiliate brand deal or something, you know, because that is the type of thing that we really want to do. Uh, neither one of us need to build anything financially out of this. We're both financially set, and so it's just fun to be able to, I don't know, inspire people and build a community too, like what Nick's done. I think. I'm sure he would agree that the community that he was with this weekend means so much more than all the money that he's made, you know, because to walk out there and just see thousands of young guys, women too, that he'd be like, I've inspired them to to do whatever, to bring this community together, to feel better about themselves, to push themselves to, you know, go one more as his catchphrase is, is fucking awesome.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, that's the my buddy that was with me when we were there getting doing the bib check in the night before and they had the event for everybody. I whispered to him, like, man, that's got to be like the coolest feeling for him to look out and see all this and how many people have come together for him and. Of all walks of life, too, men, women, I mean young, old people are super in shape, just getting into their journey. Uh very family oriented there, like so many young kids too. Like I'm like, that's probably something that's lost a lot now, too, is that I think sometimes in the space of social media, like a lot of things are very selfish in nature about like promoting oneself. And I understand that's part of the game, but to see somebody like take the approach of really wanting to build a community that's much bigger than them, uh, is really what it's all about at the end of the day. I mean, cause now you have the platform to do that and create community communities that would have never been, um, even put together, had it not been for the platform to do that.
0: I do personally feel like those who are trying to actually help others and are passionate about what they're doing, have a lot more longevity than those who are mm-hmm. just trying to get, You know, likes and views right now because there are, and I think that goes like you know, looking at TikTok, um, TikTok, it's really easy to grow a massive following really quickly. You just do stupid dances and things, but in the long run, that's not going to go very far. You know, that's why I feel like a brand deal probably would pay a lot more to a YouTube channel that has like a hundred thousand followers than they would a TikToker who has like a million because. You know, there, when you build a YouTube community, you're, you're probably really passionate about what you're doing and you connect with your crowd. And then TikTok is more just like this fleeting, you know, fast boom, 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 thing that people are into right now. Um, But yeah, I mean, like Nick, like he's tried to build that community. He's tried to build BPN to be bigger than just him. And now he even stepped down, you know, as a CEO, right. And gave it to that female, uh, mm-hmm. whatever, I forget her name, but yeah, yeah I mean, it just, name. Yeah, he just tried to grow something bigger than him, and it, it shows. And that's why somebody like him will have longevity, which is just super cool. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Uh, shifting gears, uh, you and Victoria have got to go see the movie Air. Abby and I went and saw it last night. Oh, uh, you did? Oh, dude. And, like, so incredible. It fired me up so much. Like, you no, know, and the backstory, if for people that don't know, it's about uh, how Nike pursued Michael Jordan and started the Air Jordan shoe line back in the day. And it's just so incredible the like now we all just think like you know that mj and nike and basketball shoes are one and the same but you forget that back in the 80s they were just a running shoe company um right. and just to see how they pursued him and acquired him it's just really really cool story
0: it's all about his mom mainly right mm-hmm.
1: and yeah. that was something that we were talking about as well like his mom like you can michael definitely got his killer mentality and just like Hey, I'm never gonna let anyone take advantage of me. Attitude from his mom because she was certainly the matriarch of that family. Um, and Abby and I were even talking about this morning. Like, it's interesting seeing families like that because I think sometimes we think of like the man maybe in American society as being like the head of the house. But if you look at like all other mammals and stuff, it's normally the mother who kind yeah. of like runs the show. And uh, see a family unit function like that. I was like, it's kind of cool and refreshing because it's like, yeah, the dad's maybe the protector who hunts who gathers but like the mom is who holds it all together and is there to protect the entire family so it was pretty neat.
0: that's awesome yeah it is crazy to think of like jordan yeah this is a dude worth billions i'm sure it's insane Makes and then
1: nike dollars a year in passive income from that deal with mikey he, and Holy he was the first shit. athlete that they had ever signed to actually make a percentage off of shoe sales that was a huge thing and the, you know, mm-hmm. most they had ever done in sales was $3 million with one athlete. And that first year with Air Jordan, they did 136 million.
0: That's insane. When I was a student, we went to the, uh, they, they brought in, we were at a sports conference up in Oregon and, uh, they brought all the people from the podiatric sports conference to the Nike factory or whatever, Nike headquarters. Mm-hmm. It was, they had like a, yeah, they had a whole row. Have you been there? Uh, my, uh, good family friends live in Beaverton. So yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. They have like a whole row of all the Jordans in their base model, just all white. Like it was just sick to see, but, and then hearing them and walking through, cause they'll give you a little bit of a talk about the history of Nike too. That's another one. And I know a lot of people have read the, the Nike book about like the inception of Nike, another m- insanely inspiring story, you know, where they were literally selling shoes out of the back of a car for mm-hmm. a while before they ever took off, you know? Yep. Using the uh, the inspiration off his wife's wa- uh, waffle maker to get the bottom um, imprint on the shoe, whatever you call it, the uh, tread. Yep. Yeah, it's, just, it's crazy. Again, just like started with a small dream and then consistency over years. Now, the biggest shoe company in the world. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, and even the guy whose idea was, um, I'm going to blank on his name now, who was the one who really pushed them to go after MJ uh, because, you know, they were a small, you know, a small fish. In that uh, pond at the time, Converse had uh, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Adidas was who Michael like pretty much was set to sign with because that was a really popular brand. Like everyone thought the guy that really wanted to go after him was absolutely crazy. Like there's no way we can allocate our budget entirely to this one athlete, but felt so passionate about like the way that Michael played looking at him like, no, this is literally going to be the biggest athlete probably ever i can just like see it in him and how like he noticed that and then obviously mj went on to be i mean in my opinion the greatest athlete of all time pretty inspiring to see
0: that's awesome i love those stories so much man it's it's so fucking cool like maybe last year i think it was there was like three big shows that came out about like tech startups and things there was Mm -hmm. the uh the we work one did you see that Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. and then the uber one which the uber one i know they were trying to portray the the owner or the the start. what would you call him i guess he was ceo i forget his mm-hmm. name now but i know they're trying to portray him as like an asshole or whatever But i was like this guy's fucking badass like he had what it took to build uber yep. to what it is you know yep. um and then there was also the uh what was the one of that chick who uh i forget um where they took the the like one drop of blood um, oh theranos theranos yeah <laughs> yes yeah there i mean even that one though in the ways it was inspiring because even though she was full of shit like she didn't have a lot of tenacity to grow a, a large company um i don't know why those all came out around the same time but i was fired up to be like an entrepreneur when all those are coming up especially the uber one i want to rewatch that Yeah, it's that's a crazy story, too. All of them are just so crazy. Again, consistency and mental toughness, and just having belief in yourself and not giving up when shit gets tough. Can't say it enough.
1: Yeah. And I think the obviously, I know that, you know, she's going to jail now for the Theranos (laughs) situation and was full of shit, but there's, um, I think people forget to like a lot of the big companies in America kind of faked it until they made it like you are trying just to grow, you know, continue to bring in capital to, you know, support your ideas until you finally get there. Um, so, you know, again, I know sh- there was a lot of sliminess that went on, but I'm sure there's a lot of companies that have gotten away with that and then finally hit it big. And it's kind of sure. like you can forget about the past at that point.
0: Yeah, she was pretty bad. Yeah. I forget. Alex ramosi has got a a quote about not faking it till you make it. I forget what it is. It was good. I don't even know why I bring that up because I can't finish this, finish the sentence. But I remember I was like, "That's true." Like, yeah, I think his he is against faking it till you make it. It's more like just just continue to do stuff. And and yeah. I know you're, yeah, which is true. Yeah, faking it till you make it can work, but it. I don't know. I think when you have, uh, like we've talked about before, the Dunning Kruger effect, sometimes you feel like you're faking it, even though you're not. Like, I honestly feel that way. You know, the Dunning Kruger effect being when you start something in the beginning, you feel like your knowledge is really high, even though it's really low. And actually, the more you increase in the knowledge, the, the less confidence you have. And you kind of have like an imposter syndrome, you know? So sometimes I feel like I'm faking it, but I'm like, no, I'm actually. I'm actually a professional. Some of the things that I'm doing, you know, I actually do know what I'm talking about. I have to remind myself of that. Like you're not an imposter. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I I think having a lot of self, we all have self doubt, but I also have a lot of self like love and respect. And I think that's really important too, because you'll see a lot of these people and they get, they kind of tagged as cocky, but I think that allows them to be who they are. You know, I've definitely known people in life who have a lot of self doubt and they, they just believe they can't do anything. And I think that puts a, a massive, um, I don't know what, what it, it kind of just inhibits you to, you know, you yeah. can't really do anything at that point because you've convinced yourself that you can't. And I've always kind of believed that I could do anything that I wanted. And I think it's gotten me pretty far. I didn't always have that. But when I learned that hack in life that like, fuck, yeah, I can do anything. Like I can literally do that when I start something, I'm like, and I envision it, like I'm huge on envisioning. I've always been that way. Um, like even in weightlifting, I would, uh, you know, I, I'd put the weight on the bar and I would literally like focus, like I'm going to squat and I'm going to hit this one rep and I'm going to get up. Like, I know that I'm going to push through it. I'd envision that. And I'd envision the success. And then I would do it when I was in school and I was studying, I would envision like what it would feel like to wear a long white coat, because when you're a student, you have a, a short white coat and then you get a long white coat when you graduate. And I just envisioned like, that's what, well, when I was an undergrad, I envisioned just see getting the white coat, this short one, like the white coat ceremony. And then in school, I would envision getting the long one. And I always was just like, I can do that. I'm going to do that. And I just think about it that way. There's, I try to not have that self doubt because it's so limiting. Well, like if you went into this weekend thinking like, oh, I'm going to, I'll probably like stop at mile 10, you would have, you know? Yeah.
1: Well, and there's that balance of having humility when you're along your journey to know that you still have so much to learn, but balancing it with the confidence of, It doesn't matter that I don't, I'm going to put in the work necessary to get there. And really, no matter how far along I make it, there's still going to be people that are more talented than me, know more than me or things that I may be incorrect about. But if I just continue to have the attitude of a student, but with the confidence in my own abilities to continue to get better, I think that's like the kind of the perfect balance you have to have go what in whatever your pursuit is.
0: Yeah, I think people get stuck too much on I don't know. They give too much meaning to, to certain things in their own life too. You know, like, uh, I wasn't born into an affluent family. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) What does that mean? You know, like, and they just let that like, you know, or I have X disability. Okay. And not to like, you know, not to take anything away from these people, but it's like, okay. I mean, there's, what does that do? Like, are you going to just be hindered by that and stop there? Or are you going to say, I have X disability. I'm going to strap on a prosthetic and I'm going to run a marathon. Mm-hmm. you know, those, that's what differentiates them. And again, I don't want to take anything away from it. It's really easy for an able body person to talk that way, of course. But um, I have had different things. You know, I didn't come from money, blah, blah, blah. We've talked about, I was homeless for a, a point in time, but I don't have the best genetics, whatever you want to say, you know, and eventually I just go, okay. And like, what does that mean? Does it really mean anything? Not if I don't give it power, you know what I mean? I can yeah. hide behind that label or I can just embrace that label and make something out of it you know i'm yep. the guy who was homeless who became a doctor you know like stuff like that or i could have just been as the guy who's homeless and so then i i look back on that and i say oh my childhood wasn't that great and that's why i'm this way yeah you know i you can use you can use your whatever you have in life to go different directions i just choose to use it as motivation
1: yep absolutely
0: yeah and like
1: you said um Being able to kind of use whatever it is that I guess, you know, others could look at as something to maybe pity you about or have empathy for you that like, no, like this is just my own unique perspective that nobody else can speak to. And I can speak to maybe a group of people that only I understand this. Um, So there's a lot of different ways you can frame it. And again, not trying to lighten, you know, what others go through or their struggles, but it also, again, does give you a unique perspective that Adam or myself or somebody else could maybe never understand, but you almost use that
0: as your superpower too, in a way hundred percent. Yeah. You can use that as an advantage. You know, yeah. I'm a poor black individual whose mom was a crack addict or whatever, you know, and I'm going to become a senator, you know, like that. You Now you are, you have so much more advantage over just the average dude whose parents went to Yale and you went to Harvard and, you know, you were bred to be a senator. Like you now have a superpower above other people because you took, you took what should have been coined like a negative or a hindrance and you made it into a power, you know? Yeah. And yeah, I, I think that I feel like more people, I guess, should, I don't, don't like the word should, but they, you know, I feel like if you did that, people would get a lot, a lot further in life. Yeah.
1: yeah. To, and to use the MJ story as an example, even when they were speaking to him, the um, guy that Sonny is his first name, I forget his last name that was the one at Nike that pursued him, said that to him. Your story is so unique in the sense that you were cut from your high school basketball team. You were not a superstar. You willed your way into the NBA. You know, you were drafted third overall. No one, everyone thought you were too small still as a guard. But you are the one who like used all that your story and knowing that you weren't just the superstar from day one is almost what makes you even more powerful into what you then became, because everyone can relate to that or see that, uh, you know, this guy wasn't given everything from day one. He had to bust his butt to get there. And that's what made his story
0: so appealing for everyone. That's awesome, man. I love the stories like that. I'll definitely have to go see it. Did you cry? Uh, dude, there's a couple points I was getting, and it's like just the
1: nostalgia for 1980s America too. Oh, yeah. I was like we might have peaked then. <laughs>
0: yeah, those are good. I mean, I only lived two years in the 80s. You didn't even live in the 80s at all, huh? I didn't, and I want oh, to experience
1: wow. it because I'm like, looks like it was a pretty dang good time.
0: Yeah, I didn't get to. I can't remember any of the 80s. I was only two when it turned to 1990. But yeah, definitely a different time. Even the 90s were amazing. Like early 90s, I definitely remember mid 90s, fun times. But um, on Fuad's podcast, one of the guys was saying he saw it and cried. Uh, so I was like, yeah, I mean, I probably would. I get friggin I get choked up on those type of movies, like motivational movies get me definitely choked up.
1: Yeah. Well, and just like did you watch the 10 part documentary on one on the 90s Bulls that came out uh, a couple of years ago?
0: His documentary?
1: Uh, the one, the ESPN one with Michael, it was like the 10 part series on the, the
0: dance, the last dance uh, yeah, or whatever. Yes, the last dance. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That one. Yeah, um, for sure. And just even watching that, like there's just, you know, I not to get into a basketball, but the LeBron and MJ comparison, I'm like, man, there's just something oh. about Michael, though, like that just ultimate competitor and to see how much he went through as far as in Sonny said it in the movie last night, like you're going to be built up and then they're going to tear you down. And that happened with Michael. He was built up into everything. And then, you know, his father gets murdered and the whole world's trying to say it's because his dad was a gambler and this set uh, disrespect his family. And when Michael wants to walk away and do something different, everyone trashes him for that. But like, to be that talented, but also have the mental fortitude to withstand. Like I can't even imagine that onslaught of just pressure from the outside world and to still perform at that level is just, uh, I don't know how
0: you can't watch that stuff and just get so motivated. Yeah, that's for sure. He's, he seems like a interesting dude, you know, an angry dude for sure. He definitely has a lot of, uh, I mean, I think that would be the, when you look at the most successful people, Victoria and I were having this conversation this week and talking about, um, mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about the, the increase in diagnoses of everything. And, and that somehow it pivoted to, I was saying that like, I don't necessarily buy into all of like the children and their mental health issues. I just feel like, I don't know. I, I got to tread lightly there. Cause I don't, I'm not fully versed. I'm certainly, you know, I don't have any degrees in psychiatry or psychology. I don't fully understand them, but. We forget that our
1: minds are wired to like, start to disassociate the reality from that, especially when feelings get involved and that you easily could, if you had something that was real enough and sounded like a human and gave you the same mental feedback and stimulus, you could certainly start to fall for that and not need another person, which is really
0: scary and odd to think about. It's crazy. Have you seen that movie? What's it called? Moves in real life are much better. So (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think it's called her. I don't know. I think it was a walking Phoenix. I don't know. There's a movie where a guy falls in love with a robot or like a AI. Oh yes.
1: Gosh. What it's I think it's called her or something. Machina or
0: uh, no, that's a different one. Okay. X Machina is good.
1: But the other one is like,
0: yeah, same concept, but he has like a, it's an AI system that he's talking to and it's like set up it's in the future kind of and she's wired into his house so he can walk in always be talking to her he's she's in his headphones and he like it's Scarlett Johansson is the voice I remember that one and he falls like madly in love with her and she falls in love with him though too which is really interesting and then they're in love but then it's just crazy that that movie is really cool to think about too because I'm I love like uh, philosophy and, and thinking of that shit and like it's an AI and she's developing feelings for him and then like is that real love? Why not? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, what more are we than, uh, than a group of neural connections, you know, with electricity powering through us, you know, what's the difference between an AI and us other than we have organic, you know, hardware, I guess is the only real difference. Right. I don't know. It's kind of crazy. Like if you took, if you uploaded your consciousness into a inorganic, like like computer, do you still think that's a human being? I mean, do you? I don't know. What do you think? I've always wondered that. That was posed to me in, uh, in philosophy, I think like 101 in college yeah
1: I, I guess my only question for things is like do you need the physical interaction with another human for it to be the exact same like another human touch and like uh, all those other factors in it for like your brain to register it as the same maybe it's not a factor whatsoever so you could just essentially essentially upload me to a computer and you know i would just be josh but like I don't know what other people react the same to me as if they had a relationship with the physical me, you know.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, if the uh, if the other version, if the other person interacting with you is also in a computer, yeah, you know, is that is that it? You no, know, I don't know. Yeah. That like that's when you have to start wondering like, is there something omnipotent and like, is there a god or a soul? That, you know, is there a soul that differentiates us from an AI? Yeah. Because for people who don't feel that way, you know, then what the hell's the difference and AI is basically a human being if you just feel like we're just a, you know, that that connection of of neural components and different, you know, electricity firing in different regions of our processor. Yeah. Which then
1: obviously goes in the equation or the question of how much little we actually know. I mean, obviously we know a lot about the human brain, but if you think about how much is unknown, like, yeah, what is that human component of it? Is there something that with my physical brain, no matter how well you trained a computer to learn and react, would it, would there still be something missing in that equation? And if not, then that's where it gets really interesting. But maybe there is something that no matter what, like you'll never be able to kind of differentiate or make them one in the same
0: Yeah. I don't know. That shit trips me out. I've thought about that for years. Like what makes a human a human? And is, is there anything really all that special? I mean, you have to believe that you have a soul essentially, because that would be the one thing that could differentiate us, you know, but for those who are like strictly science-based and you literally think like, all we are, are these, you know, this, or this organic Lump of stuff that has these neural connections and certain chemicals fire and, you know, happen. Like, if that's all you think, then we're literally no different than a computer. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. I don't know. I know we'll never know the answer, but I love thinking about stuff like that. I could talk about that kind of stuff all day long. Absolutely. I think I'll
1: always err that we're unique just so it keeps me sane. Um, and that we're yeah. not the same as just a computer. And hopefully in my lifetime, we don't reach that point or you and I, both lifetimes, we don't reach that point where we have to find out fully.
0: Dude, I don't know. Freaking everything is progressing so rapidly. It's so scary. Like the AI thing is really like freaking me out the more and more I think about it. I'm just like, holy shit. Like, I mean, content creation, like something like they just made a, uh, an AI deep fake of the Rogan podcast. That's which, Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's insane. Yep. It was perfect. So yep. what the fuck <laughs> where well, our podcast isn't even going to be necessary. You can literally like an AI will learn off of the individual what the individual likes and curate a podcast that would that would, you know, spark that listener's interest and keep it there 100 percent of the time. Yeah, that's insane. It's insane. And I always wonder, like,
1: will will there ever be pushback for that in the sense that there will always be people that if you know that it's not real or not real, you know, it's not an actual other human. Um, will does that cause any type of disconnect? And will there always be people that are like, I understand that's a system like generated computer, it's not really another person, uh, or will eventually it just become like, that line is blurred and nobody gives a shit at that point, which is really scary to think about it. I think, I think
0: it would get to the point where it was blurred in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Just based on, yeah. Every, like think of how, how special things like TV were when they first came out, you know, and it's just like, you know, it's not anything big anymore. Like, I don't know. I know it's not a great comparison, but I think eventually we'll just be numb to it. And that's what, like you will consume that content that's AI generated and, and it will mean something to you you know and you'll probably i would imagine will probably develop feelings and emotions towards those ai people like you know people who actually listen to rogan right now have a connection to him or the, they feel like they do and eventually you'll have a connection towards the ai creator too god i hope <laughs> not cuz there's already been like bands and things right that are basically all ai generated like wasn't isn't the gorillas like all um, all made by computer essentially oh the band yeah um uh, yeah are they a real like in person i can't remember i think they're an
1: actual real but like their characters themselves are obviously like generated or computer generated images well i feel like Um, music
0: there's got to be multiple ones out there that are generated via like ai alone that people really like and then my thing with that
1: though is like if you know with someone like rogan people feel attached to joe because i feel like they see the things he does in real life though too and like a nick or the other like the people we were talking about earlier that were um fans of or you know or look up to like we see the things that they do in real life and maybe that's why we fall or have a deeper connection with them so do you lose some of that when it's just like a auto-generated computer that's speaking to you whereas like i can see the work and the things that joe does on a day-to-day that i want to emulate same
0: with yeah. nick same with Derek. so who knows so with us and our generation we will probably be connected to that but eventually mm-hmm. with kids coming up i don't think they'll care anymore that's you fair
1: know? yeah, yeah. No, that's my uh, buddy that is a um high school coach here uh talks about to me with all the time he's like dude like the the way high school kids are now, like it really scares me. And he's like, I've never really thought about that, you know, from the time they basically, you know, came out of like, or into early childhood, like they have been plugged into this virtual reality. So for them, like they have no differentiating factor, like, you know, at our age, like we know when the switch happens. So we still kind of understand that like, ah, this is not always how it was, but for them, that's just always going to be their life. So they don't really have the perspective to be able to differentiate the, differentiate the two of those things. So that is definitely where it kind
0: of gets different or becomes a little scary. Yeah, exactly. Cause I grew up, I was, I lived 18 years without a cell phone, you know, Mm -hmm. and before I didn't get mine until I was 18 or maybe even older, 19 or so. So it is still kind of novel to me. And I understand like the, I'm baffled all the time and always like when I stop and think about like, holy shit, like what I hold in my hand is crazy. But these days, kids are born holding that in their hand. So it's not crazy to them at all. You know, it's just how it always was. So eventually, if we have AI running things, they'll just they won't. They won't. I don't think they'll be kind of amazed by it like we are. Yeah. And the thing that I was actually
1: talking to Abby about this the other day, when I think about, you know, just my dad was born in 1960. So when he was 27, that was 1987. To think about how rapidly the world has changed from 1987 to now him being 63 years old. I'm like, man, to think about what could happen. And that transition of my part of my life is really, really scary. If you think about the exponential growth. Yeah, way faster. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's what I'm like.
1: Yeah. So five years is, you know, 20 years and, you know, his scale of time and like knowing what the world will be like by the time I'm raising kids or things like that is like really messes with my mind to even try and
0: cope with because we have no idea. It's wild. Like, you know, from the 80s to the 2000s, not a lot was that different. You know, there were, you know, things are, things have always kind of progressed, but slower. And then suddenly it just like snapped. And now we've like have this insane, like velocity behind growth. It's crazy. Things change every day. Like, I mean, I'm streaming this on a fucking iPad that I bought like three years ago and I haven't fired it up in a while yep. and I did. And it's so, I couldn't even do half the shit I wanted it to do that I thought was a standard <laughs> on Apple stuff because the technology's already changed so much, you know? I was like, holy yep. shit, I already have yep. to buy a new iPad. I had it back in school and I haven't fired it up in a while. And just so crazy how fast things change these days. And yeah, it's wild. I'm not looking forward yep. to the future. <laughs> we sound like a bunch of boomers talking about it. Oh, get We're off my lawn. definitely some boomers, exactly. <laughs> Well, I mean, there is there is some technology we like, like today's sponsor, Merrick Health, um, which we should uh, definitely shout out for. Um, when it comes to technology with the lab work, I feel like in getting a look under the hood, you know, we talked a lot about humans versus uh, AI and stuff. And since we are not AI and we're not perfect, I think it's huge to get a look under the hood and look at your own lab work and see, you know, what you're what you're dealing with. Um, you can do anything from just routine lab work. Well, not routine in any way, you know, very in-depth lab work, but looking at things like your lipids and your metabolic health, you can also do genetic testing though too, and see kind of, you know, get a glimpse into what your future may hold. Um, both Josh and I work at Merrick Health and we're super passionate about that. Uh, kind of the, I don't know, what would you say about Merrick Health?
1: I would say the thing that I, when I like summarize it to other people, of what we do there and what I think makes it so special is obviously to your point, we are looking at things that I feel like were never addressed before. And yeah. maybe the, like what Peter Tia refers to as medicine 3.0, we're taking a preventative stance um, and realizing that so many of chronic diseases are all linked. Uh, they're not just an independent variable from one another, but we're also Teaching the average person how to combat that through pharmacology, but also more so their lifestyle interventions of like, hey, you're in control of this ship. Whereas I think medicine 2.0 was basically kind of people thinking like, I hate just when I get sick, that's when the medical establishment is supposed to help me. But, like, kind of putting the tools and the keys back in people's hands of like, no, you can take charge of this and learn this. You know, you may not be any medical expert by any means, but you will at least know almost, you know, 90% of what you need to as far as helping yourself to live a long and healthy life, which I think to me, that's the coolest part to get to take people along that path and see how enlightening
0: it is for them. Exactly. Perfectly said. I fucked it up by trying to, uh, trying to squeeze it in there, when, <laughs> when I have. but no, I'm, I am super passionate about marriage just because I, I got into, I've said my story many times and it'll be a repeat for people But I got into medicine because I first found fitness and I was super passionate about science and fitness and everything. And I probably picked the wrong specialty because I quickly found that all I was dealing with were people that certainly were not fit. were never going to be fit. And I was dealing with disease in a state that it was so bad that I was having to cut off limbs, you know, because diabetes had basically just rotted these people's feet away. And I was like, well, fuck, this is the exact opposite of what I want to be doing. And even though I didn't want to be doing that, there is no infrastructure in medicine that allows us to basically be preventative practitioners. You know, they say that we are and everything, but what does that really mean? You know, they'll be like, all you really have, you have five minutes with the patient and a visit and you can tell them like eat better and, and exercise and what the fuck does that even mean to somebody? And that doesn't you know resonate with anybody whatsoever. Yeah. And so it's no, it's to no surprise that they continue their decline in their health. And so when I, when I found Merrick and you know, I was so pumped on the fact that they were looking at labs that you wouldn't even be allowed to order that I wouldn't be allowed to order. You know, like if I want to order a, an LP little a or an APO B, it's not going to be approved by insurance, probably, which is crazy. Can't tell you the amount of patients I have too, where they have like an LDLC of 120 or something like that, which is high for those of you listening, but it's not quite high enough for somebody. Like if I have a 120 LDLC, if you plug it into a calculator, my risk for cardiovascular disease will still be pretty low. And so nobody will treat it and they won't want to look into more in-depth markers or anything like that because my risk isn't low enough. And that's literally equivalent of saying continue to smoke until you have lung cancer, Mm -hmm. which is how we treat things like atherosclerosis and metabolic disease and things. I had a guy yesterday who was diabetic, 6.5 A1C, 200 testosterone. Insulin was like 60 or something like that. Triglycerides were 300, LDLC was like 130 or something like that, and he was literally told, "We'll just keep watching this and everything" by his doctor, and he was like pretty pissed about that because he was like, "Damn, I want to hit this as hard as I can right now." You know, I'm like, I think it was 40 or so. It's like I'm, I'm 40. I want. I know that this stuff is reversible, but they just told me they're going to keep watching it, like keep watching it until when? You know, and that's what it is. Is we'll keep watching, watching, and that's what we're trained to do. And then we treat it when it's like bad enough to warrant treatment where insurance will pay for it. And so that's what I liked about Merrick's. We actually do get to do preventative and we can also help people who have performance goals and, you know, things that are people who are perfectly healthy, you want to be healthier. Um, So with Merrick, again, we always rant about them, but we, uh, we got a code that you guys can use, which neither one of us will be paid for. So a lot of affiliates are obviously paid in some way by the company they team up with. We're not because, Myself, as a medical practitioner, I cannot legally be paid for getting anybody to go there. I just wanted to way since we 're always talking about Merrick and always wearing you know the Merrick clothes and stuff, and you guys see it if you wanted to go and use uh, Merrick services, you can get a discount, which I think is ten percent off again we won 't get any reimbursement or anything for this, but if you use uh, code atlas when you 're checking out you 'll save ten percent I definitely suggest going through the process of um, not only doing the labs, which is really cool if you want to do that and you feel like you know how to read it and everything, but go through the process of meeting with a PCC who will help mm-hmm. you to buy the the labs and then um, meet with a doctor and everything so that if you are that guy who you get that A1C of a 6.5 and you're like, I don't want to just try to do this through diet and exercise alone, which is totally possible. But if you're like, let's hit this with a nuclear approach first, you know, at that time, you know, you could maybe meet with a doctor and if warranted get prescribed an anti-diabetic medication or something. Um, But you can also throw a code in if you just want to see your labs Uh, for years. I looked at my own labs through other companies and I understand that. So code Atlas will save you 10%. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I think, you know, we've discussed it a little bit. I would love to get, uh, some of our other PCCs at Merrick on the podcast eventually. I mean, some of them are just so clinically sound and would love to get for them to have the platform to kind of talk about their background and really kind of show off some of the awesome. Yeah. Obviously, the medical providers we have at Merrick are top notch, but some of the patient care coordinators we have too are pretty, pretty remarkable as far as their knowledge and what they, uh, you know, really can help somebody do as far as
0: increasing their health and longevity. Yeah, we'll do that soon. I'm sure you guys will be meeting a lot of them. We'll get recurring guests like Dom and stuff on. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm burping like crazy. I think we've been uh, talking for too long, so we can hop off this one and see you guys in the next.
1: Absolutely. See you guys soon.
0: All right. Now i got to figure out how to fucking get out of this. <laughs> <laughs> how All I right. turn this shit off now. Uh, okay. I'm going. Dude, this hmm. is so crazy to me. Victoria texted me and said it was snowing.
1: It, after you guys just had 70-degree weather this weekend?
0: Yeah. What the-